0: Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with it, but had their life changed by it in a major way. And today on the show, one of my favorite new artists of the last few years, Bartise Strange is on the show, and this is a good one. Get ready. But first, if you would like to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother, and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and you will get the message to me. He also runs a Twitter and an Instagram page for this podcast, Turned Out a Punk, uh, that you can find on the internet. You can also find me on the internet on Twitter and Instagram, at left 4 Damien. If you want to support the show, tell all your friends about it. Uh, you can also head over to turnedoutapunk.com and grab a t-shirt. Thank you to everyone who has done that. It's very much appreciated. And you can rate it and subscribe it on the platform you're listening to this on. I sing in a band. We're called Fucked Up. We're going to be going on tour on the East Coast of the United States in the beginning of July. Then to Europe, I think at the beginning of August. And then uh, I'm getting all these dates mixed up. But we're going to be going on tour. You can find out more information that's more reliable than me over at fuckedup.cc. And uh, grab tickets and records and whatever. Find out more about Fucked Up over there. All right, on to today's show. Today on the show, Barti Strange is here. Barti Strange is someone that, um, if you if you pay attention to what's going on in music, you've probably heard that name pop up. Someone who's gained a lot of a, a lot of critical attention for his works that have come out kind of during the pandemic. He's really an artist that I think uh, you know exploded during the pandemic onto. The international stage And someone who just keeps putting out incredible music A farm to table is this brand new record That just came out I think like last week Maybe two weeks ago No, last week I think Two weeks ago maybe Anyway, you can pick it up now It's on 4AD It's streaming everywhere And this is someone That uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of uh, For a long time And I, I wouldn't be surprised If this record winds up on a lot of people's top tens For the end of the year mine included, because it is a fantastic album and a, a very a very amazing, interesting artist and someone that, you know, is kind of a, a dream person to sit down and talk to for this podcast because also a punk rocker, and you will hear all about it here on the show. Once again, pick up this new record, Farm to Table. It is out there everywhere right now, and I don't think I have any notes for today's episode. Um So that's it. Anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy Bartice Strange on Turned Out a Punk. Bartice, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yo, thank you. Really appreciate it. Love your
0: show. Oh, well, that's amazing to hear because I love your music. And uh, yeah, like just, you know, obviously doing a lot of research for this and being, you know, knowing that you did the national EP, but hearing you talk about, the national and tv on and tv on the radio kind of back to back a couple times like those bands were just so important in my own journey and so to hear how they affected you and kind of like where they fit into your musical journey it's uh yeah i can't wait to get into it but i got to start this off the way they all start off which is bartice how'd you get in a punk Do you remember the first time you ever came across it
1: actually yeah um as corny as it may sound tony hawk pro skater
0: <laughs> no, it comes up. It's it's definitely like Honestly, a huge jumping on point.
1: Yeah. I mean, Anarchy in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the first one that I was like, yo, this is incredible. And I've never heard anything like it. Cause I grew up in like mostly like church and you know, that kind of thing. And my parents weren't into punk music. But when I heard that, I was like, I've never heard anything like that before. And I remember disabling all the other songs and I and just letting that song play like I was like I only want to hear anarchy in the UK period and that was like six months of my life (laughs) as a kid you know like the first Tony Hawk pro skater so yeah Mm -hmm.
0: that's awesome um have you watched the Disney plus series about the sex Pistols yet no I
1: didn't know there was a Disney plus series about the sex Pistols.
0: yeah highly highly controversial in the fact that I guess no one is pleased apparently with the direction they took with it but
1: it is it is something else. Uh, it's work. wow! What a random! That's a crazy sentence. Like, have you seen the Disney Plus, um, you know, documentary on the Sex Pistols? No, it's, it, and it's not even a documentary.
0: It's a TV show, like a narrative TV show.
1: What? It's Who's so. idea was this? <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's wild. I can't believe that happened. I, yeah, I, I'm gonna watch it now.
0: That's yeah, wild. I, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi is worth watching first, but then if you got something else to watch on Disney Plus, that's that's the second thing.
1: Oh my goodness. So you can go from like Mandalorian <laughs> to Taylor Swift, Aaron Desner, you know, live from Long Pond, slide into like a, another Star Wars or like a Marvel movie and then Sex Pistols binge. Yes.
0: <laughs> Why not? Well, it's so weird to be at this point in Disney because there's a Chippendale... and reboot rescue rangers reboot movie on there too okay and uh i'm watching it with my kids and all of a sudden robert crumb's character mitch mr natural pops up and has a cameo and i'm like what the hell is this pervert doing in this film What for in kids? the world
1: <laughs> what in the world that's oh that's not the most surprising thing i've heard this week but it's up there <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy
0: you you know you mentioned your parents weren't in a punk but you grew up in a very musical household i mean certainly on your mom's side
1: yeah yeah on my mom's side but it's funny like my mom was a singer but my dad was actually like the the explorer like he he bought records and loved like um you know sound like equipment like he's an engineer so i think something in his engineer brain just made him love like speakers and turntables and a tracks and tape decks and All that kind of stuff. And he always had that all over the place and he would go to Japan and Kuwait and Korea for military stuff. And he'd always come back with a four track or an eight track or a a sweet like Revox two track stereo tape reel or something. We used to spin tape and listen to records. So what was the first live music you ever saw? I think the first live band I ever saw that wasn't like my parents or like church or whatever mm-hmm. was actually Norma Jean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a friend named Christian Spencer who took me to a Norma Jean show at his, in his church basement in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I remember just being like, I never, for one, I'd never seen anything like that. I didn't know what hardcore music was, I didn't know what thrash was but it was funny and maybe it was because of the setting, but it kind of reminded me of church. Like I was like, people are in here are just losing it. And you can feel this like intensity. Like, and I, the church I went to was like a Southern Baptist church, the kind where everyone's like fainting and speaking in tongues and fall, running across the room and shit. And so when I was at that show, I was like, damn, this feels like God. Like, it's like the spirit like people are just losing it in this room and i fell in love with it and i also loved hearing music that wasn't so like melody driven and it's something that felt it was like other to me you know it, it was deconstructed but also extremely technical it really like hit me in, in, in the right way at the time so had
0: you like is this uh, how long after tony hawk pro skater is this happening
1: I'm probably in like eighth grade, ninth grade at this point. So Tony Hawk's probably sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade.
0: It's interesting you bring up the uh the sort of like spiritual side of it or like or that kind of thing that it's fulfilling or or you know, presenting itself as because it's something that's kind of come up on the show or a lot recently where I found people talk about David Bazan talked about how it kind of filled the same sort of place in him. You know and it became sort of this moral compass at times or it became like it, it it just you know not to give it too much weight but it does wind up becoming almost religious for some people and they're especially their devotion to it
1: oh totally i mean i would i think of like music and you know there's definitely there are specific genres of music where it's like it becomes a religion like a, a really good example of this is like like juggalos and like I had a lot of friends who were juggalos. i like, I'd been to gatherings in Oklahoma and like, it was the f- like most friendly, accepting, open and wild, debaucherous time. And it was like all under this guise of like family and looking out for each other and all these things, you know? And I was like, this is like value-based, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, it's a, uh, yeah i mean i think there's a lot of similarities and i think people use them for the same things you know like you can definitely use genres of music as a spiritual connection or as a reminder of that you're not so important you know that you're very small you know it's i think it can do that
0: it's it's a, you know with the juggalo thing when they were criminalizing it and it was very much kind of being put into that that you know this is evil this is this, this is a bad thing it yeah. really hit me like they're just criminalizing joy. And that's that's the thing. Any t- thing, time yeah. there's p- something that makes people happy, there's they're going to find a way to demonize it or criminalize it.
1: Yeah, because people don't want you to get happy off of something that they can't sell you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like in that situation, it was just like whoever powers that be were like, yo, how are these people finding a way to get happy without what I say they should get happy off of? <laughs> you know and that's that's the problem same thing with like hip-hop in the 90s and there any genre that arose out of you know pain you know it's like the government or whatever powers that be the social construct whatever you know they try to if it's not theirs they don't want you to have it
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. yeah
1: and, and anything
0: yeah. that fosters any sort of like you know I don't want to say civil unrest but like anything that fosters any sort of like awareness of the world mm-hmm. outside of of you know this sort of manufactured happiness
1: thing. exactly anything that you know because you know happiness and community and organized gatherings i mean if it's not controlled by the people at the top or like whoever's like making the calls or whatever you know it's threatening but mm-hmm. whatever we all know this mm-hmm. so
0: where'd you kind of go is norma Jean actually are they from oklahoma
1: I don't think so, no, but I don't tour? know where they're from. Yeah, I, um, remember. I do know that they played in Oklahoma a lot, though, because I think Norma Jean was a Christian band. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were, I think, you know, remember that whole like tooth and nail world Absolutely. of rock bands? Yeah. <laughs> Cornerstone. I'm fascinated.
0: I'm so fascinated by that world.
1: So that, so uh, well, I was kind of like when they told me when I first started listening to this podcast and kind of getting into like what you do, and I talked to Jamie Coletta, you know, we, we we have a, a big common love for some of those bands in that circle. Um, but that was definitely my way into like a lot of guitar-driven music and punk music, like Mass City's Burn, Emory. like these, these those bands were like the ones that I was I wanted to be like when I was in eighth, ninth, tenth grade. That, that's what I listened to the most, the almost under oath. You know, those were those those bands. Yeah, they're not necessarily punk bands, but some of them were pretty heavy bands. um Job for a cowboy, Norma Jean, those kind of bands.
0: Well, I think the the thing I find fascinating about is it all connects. And Mm -hmm. my understanding of Tooth and Nail, like at the time, it was so demonized to me as like a young DIY, you know, I guess secular kid going to going to these shows. Like it was like, oh, that's that's they're trying to indoctrinate you. And it's only when I grew up and I'm looking at it now as an adult and understanding like that wasn't the purpose of it. Like it was for kids that were either believed in it themselves or had it put on them to believe in it. There, It was their music and it was their way of getting this kind of music in some cases that they weren't allowed to have otherwise. Like Nathan from Waves just told me the other day that Uh, he wasn't allowed to listen to punk music, and it was only when he told his parents that MXPX were Christian that they let him go to the show.
1: Yo, I mean, I think that DC talk got so many people into hard, like, into secular music. Mm. You know, like, there are so many like Christian hardcore bands, like, bands I honestly didn't know were Christian. You know, like, I had no clue Norman Jean was Christian, like, the first eight times I saw them. You know, like, I, I there's no way you would know, you know, unless you were like digging you know same thing for ad City's burn like i just remember listening to ad cities burn and being like damn these stories are so fucking good where are they getting this from (laughs) it's like the bible (laughs) and then i felt like the biggest cornball but i was like you know dude i can't knock the guitar playing like this is pretty insane like this is great this is really good it's good i'm in you know um but yeah, I think that that music got a lot of people into great music. To be quite honest, not saying that music isn't great, but you know, I remember I found out the drive-in through that type of music. You know, like, and that's you know, you know, as it goes, you know.
0: Yeah, like, where did you kind of go from this Norma Jean show personally in in your you know kind of pursuit of music? Just punk well, music, I mean, just in general.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I started playing in um, hardcore bands. Like that was kind of the first world of music that I really like dove into as a player, Um, like high school um, and in college, hardcore and post-hardcore bands. Um, Really loved hella, you know, loved math rock, loved and then eventually fell in love with post-rock, loved, you know, 69 Days of Static, you know, all those bands. This Town Needs Guns, like anything that was like complicated and melodic or heavy and, like guitar driven i was like super into and i played in a few bands that did that stuff in oklahoma and eventually i moved to dc and uh didn't play it as much but when i moved to new york i started a post hardcore band with my friends called stay inside played in that band for a while before i started my own thing and you know we played and toured with other punk and hardcore bands all over brooklyn philly and dc like that was that was kind of my basis my foundation was playing in heavy rock bands or punk or hardcore bands.
0: What was the first band you played in called? Like the first hardcore band?
1: Ooh. So the first band I played in was called Destroyer. It was out of Oklahoma City. Um, The second one I played in was called Belmont. And that band was like, it sounded like something you would hear on tooth and nail, like a post-hard, but more post than hard kind (laughs) of vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think we opened for rookie of the like rookie of the year. Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Someone's gonna find this. Yeah, we. It was called Belmont. We opened for rookie of the year at the Bricktown Events Center, and that was. I thought I had fucking made it. I was like, this is it, dude. What else could you want?
0: <laughs> well, that's. That, I think that's the best thing about punk and hardcore because it's it's like the only genre that you can kind of show up and wind up being in a band at your first show you know like just meet a bunch of kids and they'll be mm-hmm. like hey start a band like it doesn't matter you don't know how to play yet let's let's learn together and it it feels like the the lack of professionalism or the lack of of i don't know whatever but that is what is put on a pedestal more than anything else
1: Yeah, you know i so that i'm so glad you said that because the thing that i loved about like job for a cowboy or Dolores Prada or Norma Jean was like, my whole background in music was like, you know, my dad liked Parliament, Funkadelic, George Clinton, you know, soul music, jazz. My mom loved classical music and gospel music. To play in those worlds, it's all highly skilled, super trained freak players, you know, and I remember listening to it and being like, I love music and I would love to make it but I don't know if I can really aspire to be any of these people I'm seeing because I don't even know how you get there. Like these guitar players are the best. These bass players are the best. The singers are the best. Like, I don't know if that's, I just kind of want to make stuff, you know? And uh, when I saw that Norma Jean show, I remember just being like, the music is almost secondary to this vibe that's been created, you know? Uh, Like at first Unitarian church, I would see bands and I would just, Like when I moved to the East Coast and started going to Philly and just another example of this, you know, it's like you watch a band like Soul Glow play. Soul Glow, those guys are exceptional musicians, but that's not why Soul Glow is like the best band in Philadelphia by far. It's like they have created this like world when you see them play, they're bigger than anything you could imagine. It's like a force of nature that they're creating with like just like this persona they put on this attitude this like this energy they bring into a room like everybody knows what's about to happen same thing with like turnstile or glass or like bands that I, i've i loved for so many years it's like the music is great but it's like there's more to it and you're right like you can go to a show like that and meet two or three other people and be like oh you got a drum set let's meet up this weekend you know and that's it you know mm-hmm. like now you got friends you know that's how i met my friends in new york and like that, that's how i've always joined bands I, i'm with you 100 percent on that
0: yeah and it's, it feels like in a lot of other genres you know you're like metal or things like that you're like you, you you're supposed to pay your dues in terms of being a musician you're supposed to work yeah. at it for you know there's this like apprenticeship the almost thing that you have to kind of go through before you can get on up on stage but with punk yeah like you, you if you don't get up on stage people it's almost weird like oh you don't play in bands? like you've never played in a band like that's right. so weird
1: right um, and I love that because I think like, honestly, like everyone can make something, everyone can make things and punk and like the hardcore ethos. And like, it it, it just really puts people in a situation where it's like, yeah, like everyone has something to offer, you know? Um, and of course, punk music is, has its issues with gender and with race and just like other genres. And, but I'll say as a black person who's queer, I remember seeing like Dance Gavin Dance and being like, there's a black dude in this band, <laughs> you know, like, and I remember like recognizing that like in this like punk hardcore world, there were a few black kids that were like sliding in. And I was really like excited about watching them play and um, seeing where they were going. And um, that was a also a big part of it. I didn't really see myself in many genres and that were like guitar driven, but in like the hardcore space, you know, or punk space, you know, I knew some. You know, I could find them and we had bad brains,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and yeah,
1: I die, and there's just sort of this whole I'm you know, going back to- and you know, I mean, it's like so many, you know, it's it's real,
0: <laughs> and I and, and like you're saying, I think it's it's just it's part of the culture, you know, it's not perfect, as you said, it's definitely not perfect, and it's not <laughs> <there's> <laughs> certainly a lot of issues within it. Um, but that being said, it's also. A place where I was exposed to stuff that, you know, it's, it's been interesting watching the last few years where the world seems to be catching up with stuff we've been having conversations about in punk uh, for years, you know, or things right. that at least I've been learning about in punk rock for years, you know, having spe- speakers come at shows and, mm-hmm. you know, being in a basement and having someone come up in all sorts of spaces and just having that being part of the experience. Like you're saying, it's it's the vibe. It's, it's more than just the music. It's like the way of life that this can kind of provide kids like that feel alienated by the
1: world around them Mm -hmm. 100 percent. and i remember even as like a black person living in a very white town and city and state i remember going to punk shows and feeling like i wasn't the weird one (laughs) you know and that was really important for me Mm. because everywhere else i was everyone would stare at me but when i would go to like a hardcore show I'm like the more, I'm the most normal person at the hardcore show, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm like seeing shit I've never seen, you know, like kids with snake bites and like crazy hair and like, you know, actual, you know, people who, you know, it, it's different, you know, I, I was, I, they, they weren't they were worried about me. They were just like, oh, cool. You're into this. I'm like, yeah. And they're like sick, <laughs> you know, I'm like that's it, you know? And so I, I always kind of felt like I was safe there in a weird way. You want to hear a crazy story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A weird example of this ridiculous phenomenon. I hesitate to tell you this. No one knows this about me. The sec one of the early bands I played in. I moved to Emporia, Kansas on a football scholarship, right? Got to Kansas, go to football practice. I hate that shit. I ended up quitting the team shortly after I joined. There's a skate park by the football field. I used to go there and skate with my friends. And there was this guy named Brad. He worked at a Home Depot. Very nice guy. Brad's like, dude, you want to play in my band? And I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, punk band. I'm like, I'm very down with that. Get to his house. And we start playing these songs, you know. And he's got them all kind of laid out. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Did you write all this? And he was like, oh, no, they're covers. But like, And I'd never heard the covers before. Never in my life. Never heard them. And I was like, who is it? And he was like, oh, it's this guy named Gigi Allen. And I was like, cool, cool. I never knew who Gigi Allen was. Never knew, never heard of him. And I didn't Google him. I was just like, cool, punk rock, whatever, I'm down. Bite it, you scum, you know, let's go. (laughs) And so first show's in Wichita. I pull up to the show, load into the back, go up on stage, everyone's just bald white kids. And I'm just like, cool, whatever, let's you know, kill the show we murdered we crushed it after the show people were walking up to me and they're like man it's so cool to know that you're down so cool to know that you're down and i'm just like sure i'm <laughs> <crook."> <laughs> <laughs> played for a room of racists that night Holy pretty crazy fuck. that's fucking insane <laughs> it was crazy but it was like that's the extreme of that example mm. but i was like this is pretty fucking crazy like I'm in this. You know, I look back on that. I'm like, I can't believe I lived through that. But what? A trick. Yeah,
0: that is fucking. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through
1: that. <laughs> no, it's fun. I think it's hilarious. Like, I guess that's actually an example of all the problems in punk rock, but also some of the. Yeah, it's, weird, it's so wild. What a wild world.
0: <laughs> so did you like? You know, not to keep prying into it, but like, whatever happened to this dude, the Home Depot dude? Afterwards, you're just know. like, dude, what the
1: fuck? home depot brad i just kind of he actually just kind of fell off the face of the earth i mean i remember um a few weeks later he was like yo the show was great like are you down to play again i was like i don't know i kind of like did some research i don't know man i don't know if i should play that and and then i just kind of never heard from him again you know wow disappeared i'm waiting Uh, one day he'll he'll probably facebook message me one day and ask me for like a guest spot and i'll be like i'll be like sure Come on through,
0: it's fine. <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't ask you to join his new brand. Like, what? What's his next cover band going to oh be? Oh my god!
1: I'd be like, I'd be like, you want to open, you're a freak?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn the table on him a little bit.
1: Yeah, like you're a freak. No. <laughs>
0: wow, that is fucked up. That is. Uh, oh my god. Uh, but you mentioned going there for a football scholarship, and I've heard you talk about. uh You know, you played sports as as a way of of kind of coping with being in Mustang. Mm-hmm. Uh but you did you right there you said you hated it. Was sports something that you just kind of like did because you were good at it and never really yeah. wanted to?
1: Yeah. I mean I saw sports as kind of a safety blanket. Mm-hmm. I mean and it was a way out for me. Um I wasn't like a great book I wasn't very book smart at the time or or if I was I didn't believe that about myself. Um and I was very good at sports. And so I was just like, cool, this is my ticket out. This is how I'm going to get out. And um, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I got out, I kind of like. I just remember being in locker rooms and being like, I don't want to. I just I just wasn't I just knew I did, I wasn't supposed to be there. You know, I was like, this isn't it for me.
0: Well, it also feels like it's the antithesis of the stuff that you're getting into on the music side of things at the same time, like the, the two worlds of jock and and punk, I'm always fascinated by how people deal with them because they feel
1: so at odds with each other. I mean, well, the thing is, is like the punk ethos was something that I embodied as a human being Hmm. in all walks of my life. Like I was always going against everyone else. And with football, it was. It's a physical game. It was a way for me to express and to beat people and to be better than people who thought they were better than me and to prove something to myself too. It gave me self-esteem and confidence in a world where people really didn't want me to feel like I could achieve things. And so I had this vibe where I was like, I can dominate you here. You know, like this is the one place I can do anything I want, you know, Mm. and I didn't have any places like that as a kid. And so, you know, football, as much as I didn't like it, it did kind of help me. It got me through that period of my life um, because not because I love the sport, but because I needed a place where I could be myself at my most you know what i mean yeah i don't know how to explain it other than that but that was another kind of vibe that always connected me to like hardcore music and punk rock music and you know things like that because there was always this vibe of like underdogness and and like knowing that you have something but uh, not everyone's gonna get it you know Uh, that it was that was special to me so yeah
0: so you mentioned quitting it it wasn't an injury that forced you out of football it was just a decision you made eventually
1: i got hurt a few times and the last time i did i was just like this is my way out you know i was like i could have come back you know you can always come back but i was like ah uh, i'm just gonna take this one and walk away
0: i went to a football tryout one time and broke my thumb because you know it's not as much part of the culture up here in Canada and uh was like I'm out Uh
1: with one broken phone yo that's real where do you live in Canada Toronto oh cool I love that shout uh, out yeah yeah my wife's from Toronto
0: yeah it's it's uh you know it's like New York with training wheels up here it's it's uh you know it's
1: like yo I actually (laughs) think it's like what New York wishes it was Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I, I
0: I know what you're saying. I find it's like there's sort of uh, this weird thing that hangs over Toronto, which is like this sort of, I think it hangs over, you know, you probably noticed it in Canadians, there's always this sort of comparison that Canadian people do to America immediately. Like I immediately, instead of saying how great Toronto was, I immediately went to belittle it in the face of New York as my mm-hmm. uh, way of talking about the city. But it feels like, that's almost like this weird internalized thing that people in toronto and and i guess in canada in general carry with them in regards to canadian music and culture and that's just shifted like to watch that shift in in my lifetime where canadian music is finally cool on a global level not just like you know propaganda and a couple obscure underground-ish type bands but like where you know one of the biggest rappers in the world is canadian is something i never thought i'd see happen
1: yeah i mean you got a few big you got a a whole situation in toronto right now in that world and with the dance music and with indie music and with the hip-hop stuff and the pop stuff it's real i mean (laughs) canada's y'all y'all are turning people out for sure for sure i
0: don't know have you been up here since the pandemic stuff has kind of everything started to open up a little bit
1: yeah i went up um oh yeah go for it No, no you go please oh i was just gonna say yeah i was in pickering with um my wife's family last summer. Um and then I played in Toronto um two nights at uh gosh, starts with a D. It's downtown. Danforth
0: music hall.
1: Yeah, Danforth. Yeah, that's Danforth. Right. That's that's yeah.
0: that's where the neighborhood I grew up uh oh. not too far from.
1: I love that neighborhood. I love that. man, Toronto is so beautiful. I just love that city so much. It's such an amazing city. It every time I go it like gives me hope for like people i'm like we could all be living like this you know like we we could <laughs> it's great <laughs> you,
0: you've just increased my love for the city tenfold like, in this conversation.
1: i love I'm toronto like... <laughs> i love toronto my favorite place in the summertime is, is toronto yeah. it's, 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 i love it i love it so much it's just so expensive but if i ever figure out how to afford it we i can totally see us moving back there
0: yeah it is a very uh a a very pricey city to live to find places Mm -hmm. to live and if that's the thing that that's why i asked if you've been up since the pandemic because i feel Mm -hmm. i'm interested to see what happens now because one of the biggest practice spaces in the city got bought out by that weird church and everyone got evicted Um, oh weird yeah this sort of it's like a newer church and it claims to be you know we've got all these progressive beliefs yet there's like right in there like marriages men and women only and all that kind of stuff so of course uh, but they they bought the practice space and they shut it all down and all the bands got evicted and you know there's a lot of venues that have gone recently like every city's dealing Mm -hmm. with that i guess so yeah i'm interested to see what happens next for the city in terms of music stuff
1: yeah well that sucks for toronto because you know unlike the states it's like i mean if all the venues are gone in toronto it's like where do you go there's not like uh philly or a dc or a chicago within an hour or two yeah, you know it's true. like it's like okay hamilton like Brampton, like <laughs> is the practice space in mississauga now is it in kingston like <laughs> i don't know i mean it's the the train isn't going there yeah exactly go trade right away where you got to practice <laughs> yeah now. yeah i don't i don't know that's weird well, not can- great
0: we still have all the big venues here but i feel like the small all ages venues the venues that you need for people that are starting out and practice space wise too and it's it's interesting when you look at sweden in the 90s and they had government subsidized practice spaces and government subsidized recording places and instruments and all these things that allow people to get into music and look at all the bands that came out of sweden like they had a bunch of a wave of international success in the wake of that mm-hmm. and these cities need to invest in their musicians
1: well it's really funny because i mean that's kind of something that canada is known for is investing in their musicians like through the grant system and mm-hmm. uh, you know CanCon and all that stuff you know it, so i don't feel like that's a, a far reach of the imagination for that to happen i mean but i also know the political situation in toronto is <laughs> it's, shifting, yeah, it's shifting you know so i mean that's uh that's a whole other thing but
0: and i think all that stuff is there but it's almost like you need to be at a certain level to access it. It's the, what infrastructure you need to kind of get to that level as a musician where you can get those grants because they the, those grants don't necessarily go to new bands that are starting out or new musicians that are starting out or new artists that are starting out. They go to established artists to help promote can- Canadian culture. Right. Right.
1: Right. Right. That's true. Very, very true.
0: What did you notice the differences between these scenes? Because you moved around a lot and, you know, we're always involved in these punk and hardcore scenes. What were some of the differences you noticed in a place like Kansas City versus Oklahoma City or or
1: Philadelphia even? Um, Something I will say, like I remember leaving Oklahoma and moving to the East Coast and really trying to find people to play with. And I had a really hard time in D.C. initially. And so then I moved to New York and had a lot of success getting people to play. And something that I recognized like really quickly, like the difference between like Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, to the whole like New York thing was like the people in Oklahoma, they don't really think they're going to be famous. That's never been a part of their um, ethos or approach to making music. They all have day jobs. None of them have money. They're all like, in a lot of ways, like some of the realest people I've met, you know, like they just is like for the love of the game vibes, you know. But you know, in New York, it's you know, it it gets muddy, you know. There's and a path I'm, to fame. Yeah, and I and I hate to do the whole like, if you have money, you can't be a punk rock person or whatever. Like, I don't truly believe that, you know. But I do think that, you know. And, you know, there's a lot of punk bands coming out of like, you know, NYU kind of vibes, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, people with like famous parents, you know, yeah. opening doors, whether they admit it or not, you know, or people, you know, pulling up with all the gear and you're like, damn, like you've got like a Range Rover and like all these stuff and like. How do you get all this? Where you live? Where in Williamsburg? Like, how do you afford this? You know, it's like you got people with money whose parents do real estate, and they don't want to go to college. They want to be artists, but they can't really play anything, so they want to play in a punk band. You know, it's like it, it can get a little muddy, but the talent level is super high. So it's like you can go to New York and meet extremely gifted artists, and with resources and build things with them which is really cool if you're like someone who really wants to do it in music like you can meet people who are doing it you can ask questions you can go to the big shows you can get inspired in oklahoma there was nobody coming through oklahoma when i was a kid at all we i mean my band we played in oklahoma recently and i was like man if it was 2004 we would have never came out here (laughs) ever you know like i mean never ever i mean the i mean I saw Kings of Leon play um, when they were local in Oklahoma, when they were a punk band before they moved to Nashville. And I remember that was the coolest show I'd ever seen in Oklahoma. I never saw another band come through. I was in college that I really even wanted to see. So it's like the scenes are different in that way. Whereas like Oklahoma, it's like, you know, salt of the earth, like real people that are exploring things and love punk music, but they play country music too. And they like soul too. And, You know, they go to work every day, you know, but in New York, you know, that guy might be in med school, but he can shred and he loves bad brains and he can tell you everything about every band because he had, he's researched it and he, you know, he knows the shit. He's like a punk rock curator in a way, you know, so it's like, both are important, you know, you need both, but it's different. It is different. I feel like in D.C., the vibe is different because it's like, it's not so like in your face. People live out in the suburbs. No one can afford to live in the district anymore. So all the legends are in like Arlington, Virginia, Falls Church, Deep Pockets in Maryland, kind of just hiding out in their little houses, you know? Mm-hmm. And they all trip into the city and play crazy shows and take their cabs 45 minutes back out into the country and hole up until the next time they come out. It's it's a very insular world. And the only way in is to just sit here for a while. like. I was in DC for seven years. It wasn't really up until three or four years ago that I met people who I could really work with. The whole, all the rest of the time, I've just been on Craigslist, you know, trying to find people, you know, and mm. uh, it's just a much more insular community that really protects and looks out for each other. Like, because there's so many shifty, fake people in DC. Surprise. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, it's like if you grew up here, you know where it's at. But if you moved here, You gotta sit and wait. Um, Whereas in New York, you can pull up, be in the hottest band in Brooklyn in like six weeks, get signed, flame out, do it again. You know, like it's so fast. So, but yeah, that's kind of how I've seen it, anyways.
0: Well, it's amazing when Daryl Jennifer was on the show. He was talking about how, you know, like we're he was talking about the differences between Discord's philosophy versus the Bad Brains' philosophy, and yeah, specifically, I guess Ian McKay's Mm. philosophy versus their philosophy, where. Ian was about building the scene and you build your local scene. And uh, Daryl Jennifer was like, we we didn't want to do that. We want to take our message to the world. And because of that, we had to leave DC. We had to go to New York and then we had to travel. And he's like, because of that, we gave up a lot. We compromised a lot in terms of record deals and all these sorts of things. But we wanted to spread this message as far as we could. And it's just like a, a very different sort of way of viewing things. One's like, you know, looking mm-hmm. towards the city and one's looking, I guess, out to the world.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, those two people represent very different sides of DC, you know, very, very different experiences, um, which would definitely um, be good data for evaluating why they made the choices they did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, both were both are right, you know, and uh, both are wrong. in a way (laughs) i i I have so much respect for them both i love ian man Ian, brendan canty those guys have been so kind to me like and and supportive and you know chad clark beauty pill and uh, it's like the legend you know it's it's a beautiful world of artists in this city and um i'm really grateful to like make music in dc and be a part of that story and i kind of feel like both of them where i'm like yeah like it's important for artists to make things in dc and invest in what's happening with the talent here and to help it grow you know i feel like people still kind of sleep on dc as a musical city um and there's so much here but also to make it grow you have to leave and tell people about what's happening at home and I feel like that's kind of something that I love is pulling up to a city and just being like, I'm from DC and people are like, oh, wow. Not Philly, not New York, not LA. I'm like, yeah, black guy from DC making rock music with my friends. It's cool. You know, it's good.
0: And there's so much amazing stuff. Like you're saying DC, it's not just the discord thing, which I think obviously for a lot of reasons you know because it's amazing gets put on a pedestal but there's just so much incredible stuff that comes out of that city and perpetually and I'm always I'm always fascinated by the fact because it doesn't seem huge to me when I go there and once again I'm I'm, don't spend a lot of time there when I'm there and playing shows or whatever but at the same time it feels like there's a lot of different scenes happening that don't cross over that in other cities would I think cross over a lot more
1: Yes. That's something I've always kind of had issues with here as a person who likes to make a lot of stuff, you know, I'm like, why aren't the rappers talking to the rock guys? Why aren't the dancers over here meeting the painters? Like where's the, you know, it's like, we could all actually help each other. I mean, or even to think like, you know, Virginia beach is only two hours away. Pharrell clips, like so many, uh, you know, gold link. I'm talking like hugely famous artists. I'm like, Why is there not, why aren't we talking to them? Like, why aren't the artists in Baltimore working with artists in DC? Why do we hate them so much? Like Baltimore, I think is like, honestly, like Berlin. I'm like, this is like one of the last affordable cities in America where you can buy a brownstone and put a studio in it for under a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like, what are we still, like, why aren't we working with these people? You know, but I think it all goes back to, there's this like insularness, of this area people click up and they you know it's weird i don't know what the why it is that way because i don't feel like that when i'm in new york mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when i'm in new york it's like who's coming through today okay nick Hakim, the guitar player for Moses some and like you know mia from pom-pom squad you know it's just like the sickest it's like sick I'm pressing record you know like let's go <laughs> you know it's like yeah we're so rad um but you know hey no you know everyone does it different I guess
0: well I think LA is the same way whenever I'm out there it's amazing how the energy people have like hey you let you do this let's do this together let's make something happen and mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like you said earlier If it's by the nature of the fact that in these other places, there isn't necessarily a path to fame and fortune or a greater Mm. goal, I should say, more than fame and fortune. And you're just kind of doing it because you want to do it. So you could have, you know, you're not, you don't necessarily need to work with other people in the same sort of way
1: to achieve something. I think there's definitely something to that because another thing about DC that plays a huge role is like, it's hella expensive. Mm. (laughs) People Mm -hmm. are hella far from each other. It's like, if you live in New York and you can afford to live in New York, and I don't know, like, I feel like in every successful group or band or clique in New York or LA, there's one or two people who have like the money, you know, like someone has the money, (laughs) which means they have, yeah, which means they have the time Mm -hmm. to like collab and pull up the session and tweak it, or to really focus on something for a long period of time and kind of create these pathways for collaboration you know like it just feels so much easier out there but here people are just normal people like you know they they're not trying to be famous they go to work they got kids like you know they you know they got real shit going on there's normally not someone in the clique that's like got the bank or the time that i don't know It's 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 that's rare here i don't yeah. meet very many people like that here I mean, a lot of people like that in new york and in la for sure it, it,
0: it do you think it's also because it's a uh, like you know a political town and people like not that there's huge crossovers during certain administrations i imagine with the music scene but the fact that the there are sort of these turnover periods that happen every five years
1: or or ten years maybe i mean i honestly don't know how that plays into it because most of the people i meet who make stuff in dc that i really think are special are people who grew up here Mm -hmm. the most of the people who come in from out of town uh, i mean i'm they they play in bands and i've I've seen them join bands and stuff but that's not really the backbone of what happens here
0: i I love when you meet someone who kind of crosses over into worlds in dc like uh i don't know if you're a wrestling fan at all but lita uh from the wwe when she was on the podcast she uh oh she she's a dc hardcore kid from huh. back in the day but she was saying the same thing like when she lived in dc she you know hung out with the guys from battery like went to battery shows but also went to the discord shows and played in bands with people that were part of the discord scene but how they mm. just didn't cross over and even talking to the turnstile guys i was recently um you know asking them like any connection with the mckay is there any sort of crossover happening and they're like no not really it's kind of like a separate thing
1: yeah yeah I don't know dc's weird
0: it's it's, a, it's a cool town though
1: it's weird but it's cool but it's weird <laughs> it's weird i don't understand i still don't get it sometimes i'm like what like what what's happening like who's it's like i look out the window i'm like i know someone is doing something but i don't see them <laughs> i just see them when they play the show and then they disappear i'm like where are you like how- could i work with you can i meet you like it's hard it's hard to meet people out here sometimes um but like i said it it just comes with time in this in this funny little city i think
0: it's also we used to have record stores we'd all be in or we'd have Mm. these sort of common spaces that i guess the internet fulfills that role for people or fulfills that kind of void for people's lives that and now i guess we don't have these other places that you're going to meet i guess there's music shops still but it just feels like the record store was like such a another
1: component to this whole experience yeah that in practice spaces mm. there's not a practice space in dc there's not a guitar shop in dc wow
0: that's wild
1: yeah i guess well, how, why do you think that is, is it like it's just the city's just kind of been overrun by out-of-towners and political money and all the artists and all the people who used to do things have all been scattered I mean, this is like a recent phenomenon of the last 20 years. Like, you know, D.C. of two of year 2000 is so wildly, so, so wildly different than D.C. of 2010 and then 2020. It's like unrecognizable. People that grew up here are just like, this isn't what it was, you know. Like, so on this point of collaboration and stuff, and I think that like there was a time when it was more like New York or L.A., like when Chuck Brown was making records in DC, I think there was a time when everyone was fucking with Chuck Brown and everyone was making records and, you know, it was a beautiful thing, but I think with the gentrification and with, you know, scattering people across Virginia and Baltimore and outer Maryland, I mean, it's just like, kind of, kind of, kind of just fucks some stuff up. I think we're still trying to figure out how to do this again.
0: I've become kind of, fascinated by like these sort of geographically decentralized scenes that are popping up now uh you know Uh boy click stuff and uh emo emo trap or emo rap i guess is the uh the proper term or what the preferred term at this point um but i'm you know and these scenes that have kind of popped up where people are just connecting from all over the world with each other and are able to kind of uh, collaborate and and work together and there's almost like a less of a need for being located around someone now
1: yeah i mean most of my favorite things i've done have been with like people i've met online Mm -hmm. especially over the pandemic it's totally changed how i work you know like i'm sending sims overseas i'm sending sims to nashville you know sending them to new york la running and just they're sending it to me i'd storm into the session and keep going you know um it's different
0: yeah, it, you don't need to be, uh, you know, neighbors with someone anymore. And you don't need to rely on finding someone that has the same mentality that you do in in your town.
1: Yo, pro tip, I've been working with a lot of, like, beat makers and stuff that have opposite time zones as me. <laughs> yes. It's so awesome. Like, I'll send them stuff when I go to bed and when I wake up. It's like in my inbox. It's, I'm like, why didn't I think about this years ago? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I I, I kind of love having like friends on opposite ends of the world because it always gives me someone a call late at night when I'm bored.
1: I'm like, oh, yeah, oh. I've got a friend overseas that's up now. That's so, so, so true. I need to do that more. I'm definitely a late night like starer. I'll just be sitting like, oh what now yeah <laughs> yeah.
0: well i think i've read you i heard you actually talk about it like you know there's that new, famous uh i think it was a new york times piece about boredom being the engine of creativity and how we yeah. need we need that boredom
1: yeah boredom is good and you know people these days don't know how to sit still anymore but you know you have to <laughs> you yeah. have to at some point you have to well i'm like
0: Um, i'm telling my kids like you know (laughs) like focus focus on this thing focus on that thing and at the same time my focus is eight different places as i'm trying to get them to focus on one thing that i'm telling them and it's yeah it feels like we're just it's so hard to be bored well maybe they'll
1: be focused on seven different places they'll improve a little bit yeah minecraft they can focus on (laughs) minecraft all at once (laughs) as long as it's minecraft oh that's hilarious (laughs) I love that Minecraft is still getting played. It's like some shit don't go away. It's like the R- Rubik's Cube, <laughs> Minecraft, <laughs> like <laughs> checkers, you know, Lego. <laughs> yeah, Lego. Yeah. I love that shit. Oh my God. It's like it's like they it's like some toy makers just like hacked humanity. They're just mm-hmm. like, yo, this is the perfect toy. Like, trust me. Like this shit is gonna go hard for a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it's interesting with my kids watching, you know, the, the, you know, Star Wars or, or Marvel or DC comics and watching these things that I grew up with almost become like folklore to them. Like these are right. the sort of folk stories that I share with them now. And we'll be watching one show and I'll be giving them the whole history and the comic book of this character. And I'm like, I guess this would have been like folk stories in other times.
1: Yeah. Like Paul Bunyan. Yeah. iron man is paul bunyan basically actually that'd be very fun to look at folk stories and marvel and some of these dc comics and kind of find the similarities in the character because they are i mean the values and the character traits of these people are they are people that like batman is based on something superman's based on something they're all based on these Mm -hmm. folk tales It's, it's fun that'd be a very fun um book for a kid to read i would read that children's book
0: well, I think you just found your pitch for Disney Plus if you throw the sex pistols in there to bring it full. Boom. Circle. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but bartice if you ever want to come back and talk about punk and hardcore, you know that this door is always open and you're welcome Yo, anytime.
1: Thank you so much. And next time I'm in Toronto, let's, you know, let's link up. Let's do a show. definitely That'll be fun. I don't know what the freaking hell this pandemic is going to end, or if it ever will, or if anything will ever happen again. I don't know what to do, but if it ever gets better and I'm in Toronto, which will happen, we'll definitely get together and we'll go somewhere and do something fun.
0: Thank you, Bartiz, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, he will be back for a part two at some point in the future uh, because unfortunately he had to go when a lot of stuff was going on that day. Uh, So we will continue this conversation at another point, you know, in Toronto, you heard right there. We're going to be talking more. In Toronto. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Coming up on the next episode in a few short days, someone who's been ducking this podcast for years, one of the very first people, like I wrote his name on the list, being like, "Oh, this is a no-brainer. He'll come on the podcast. He'll be on first ten episodes." Well, here we are, well into the four hundred and I think twentieth. 420th- Somewhat episode, and he finally shows up coming up on the next episode of Turned Out of Punk. The man who still owes me a record on green vinyl from the band Waves, Nathan. Uh, why am I blanking on Nathan's last name? <laughs> uh, Nathan, Nathan Williams. We've been on tour together. We've played shows together all over the place. Uh, we've 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 hung out everywhere. I love this guy. He's like he's like my other little brother. Other than my little brother, he's like an, another little brother to me. Probably views me as being his little brother too. I think um, you're going to hear it next week on the show. Oh, I'm so happy we finally made this happen. Is going to be it's going to be a really fun one. I promise you, and and poignant too. You know, it's going to hit all the emotions. It's going to be like an epic journey. I promise. (laughs) All right, that is it. Remember, as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and different races and nationalities and different beliefs. Uh, Because... At the end of the day, we're not talking about political issues. These are just basic human rights issues. We need to knock all this fascist bullshit out. Like, just, it's ridiculous. Uh, We've said it before, and I guess it bears repeating from now until the end of time. Uh, This podcast is a a pro-choice podcast, and we respect people's rights to choose what they want to do with their reproductive systems, Get involved in organizations that are fighting a good fight right now. Lend your time, lend your support, lend money if you have it. Uh, Just get involved. Help make the world a better place. It'll help you feel a little bit better. Speaking about feeling a little bit better, speaking of feeling a little bit better, I should say. Sorry, it's very late. I'm a little tired. Try meditation. I didn't believe in it. and, and, And now I try it. And when I remember to do it, it really does help. So maybe it'll help you too. Sign your organ donor cards, because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them anymore. It's like literally dead weight, just like rotting in your body. So maybe just donate them. Hopefully they're not rotting by the time they come for the donation. But you know what I mean. Uh, Try and make something in this world. Punk gets better when you contribute to it. Start a band, start a fanzine. Don't join some random dude Brad's band that you meet at a skate park. We found that out. Um, Bartice kind of made us aware of that stumbling block if that happens. But, but other than that, start a band, start, start music, playing music, start creating music, art, whatever. You don't have to show anyone just to be for yourself. But once again, this is stuff that does help your mental health. I I do believe that. Uh, and that is it. Uh, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you very much for tuning in and stay well. Goodbye.